Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. In the age of online retail, buying a car should be no different. That's why Carvana invented a brand new way to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made a purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door. Or you can pick it up from one of their coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy ensuring you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check out the nation's fastest-growing auto retailer at Carvana.com. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba da ba ba ba. Hey everyone, this is John Roca from Collider. By now, you've likely heard about Disney Plus, the new streaming service that includes Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and National Geographic. With all of these amazing brands in one place, Disney Plus is one of the most incredible libraries in the entire streaming landscape, and it's all ad-free. From beloved classics like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves to today's blockbusters like Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame to critically acclaimed documentaries like National Geographic's Free Solo, the content on Disney Plus is truly unparalleled. Disney Plus also offers some of the most beloved TV shows of all time, including 30 seasons of the Emmy Award-winning animated series The Simpsons. And if that weren't enough, Disney Plus has also rolled out a host of originals like The Mandalorian, the first-ever Star Wars live-action series, and high school musical The Musical The Series, a very meta take on the beloved film franchise. It's no wonder Disney Plus has become one of the most talked-about streaming services of 2019. So don't miss out. Sign up for Disney Plus now and start streaming all this great content today. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Did you know you could shop around for prescription prices? With GoodRx, you can find free coupons at over 70,000 pharmacies and save up to 80%. It's that easy. But don't just take my word for it. Dr. Adam says, I've been telling all my patients about GoodRx. Jacqueline says, my medication was $65 without insurance, but I paid $25. Aubriana says, you don't have to pay full price to live your best life. Couldn't have said it better myself. GoodRx is 100% free. Download the GoodRx app today and start saving. GoodRx is not insurance. A lot of release date news here on Movie Talk today, including The Flash finally getting a date. And then we also had Akira getting taken off the schedule. And then we have Mortal Kombat getting pushed up. Then there is also a brand new trailer for In the Heights. So cool. Can't wait to get into that on Movie Talk. 
Hello, everyone. Good morning. I hope you're all doing well and hope you are all ready with, I don't know, I was going to say pens and paper, but that feels really dated. Your calendars, your digital calendars, because we have a whole bunch of release dates added to the calendar, things shifting around a little. And I have the pleasure of talking to Haley and Jay about all of that. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. How are you doing? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I have to be, I have to be here today. Wait, what wow. was that? Excuse well, me? No, you didn't see Ooh. you didn't see what was going I had a family situation, so I had I to be here to be around you guys' energy is what I'm saying. Oh. You guys have okay. great energy, so I wanted to make sure I'm here with you two. Oh, I'm sorry, whatever happened. I hope I hope we can kick your day off on oh, a positive note here. today. We've that's got a lot of good stuff. Two. That's why I'm here with you two. I mean I Aww, Jay. I'm in the middle of some dope vibes, so why wouldn't I oh. be here? All Aww. the good vibes like, and all the good vibes because we've got Haley back in town, yeah. finally. You know, I've been out here being a superstar trapper. You were off on a oh, Brazil you know. adventure. <laughs> Yeah. How was it? Tell us it's about uh, CCXP. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so, it's really cool. Like, uh, you know, we've been doing this for a while. I'm a little burnt on San Diego Comic-Con at this point in my life. Mm. It's a lot. It's a lot of marketing machine type stuff and not a lot of is given back to the experience of people intending right now. That is not the case at CCXP. I thought it was really well designed for people who are there to have a lot of fun. There's like a zip line. There's a rock wall. There's a tattoo shop. Wait, like what? this sounds all like this is all on the floor. activities I want to do. Yeah, it was of so she cool. She jumped. <laughs> yeah, she did. I want to go on a zip line now. Wait, um, did you get a tattoo? I saw the picture. No, I you wanted posted. to, but there wasn't any art that I was super like ready to marry for the rest of my life. Okay, um, but. It, it's really cool. The the fandom there, I've never seen anything like it. So passionate. The loudest screams I've ever heard in my life. And I've been in many Hall H's. And this is a much smaller room. And mm-hmm. still, my God, the passion, the energy. Huh. It's it's a beautiful thing. I really loved it. Um, I had a wonderful time. I thought the Eternals footage was probably my standout from what I saw there. Wait, wait, why? why? What was it about the Eternals footage? Um, It looked really beautiful and rich and different for the MCU and there was a sense of this sort of like high mythology to it and that we didn't get you know there's like one line of dialogue in it so we didn't get much about the plot or Mm -hmm. anything like that but just the look of it and the fact that Feige was saying that it was just like raw footage from the camera sent to us. If that's true, that is some of the most beautiful raw footage I've ever seen. I, I really I was quite impressed. It didn't remind me of there wasn't like a touchstone where I could say, yeah, that looks like that's in the, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy type style of mm-hmm. the universe mm-hmm. or that's in the Iron Man type style. It felt like a new, as it should be if it's supposed to be sort of the future of the next phase. Can that's I, so exciting. Can I ask real quick? They, I've been reading a lot of articles that have said that CCXP is now the new, about to become the new San Diego Comic-Con with how mm-hmm. it's going to have, you know, producers and film studios and different things go there to show in front of this crowd first and foremost. Did you get that feeling? I could see it. I mean, I believe this was the first year they sold out all days. And they don't, I mean, they got Feige down there. That is, is no small feat. Yeah, that's true. They had Star Wars there yeah. with Abrams and the cast. And, and I really do think there is something special about that crowd and sort of the passion they bring to it. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think there's maybe a little bit of a sense, certainly from our perspective, I know a lot less uh, publishers go to Comic-Con now just because they don't get the stories they want out of there. And, and it does seem to be... Not that like San Diego Comic Con's over. That's like the headline. No, yeah, I'm not saying that at all. It does seem like 
um, it might be time for a new contender to rise okay, up. Okay, that's and take yeah, that's that basically position. what I was asking. And the energy there is very strong. Okay, that's so cool. Yeah, I, I'm so excited to hear that. I want to experience it one year now. It was very. I, I feel I like was they very confirmed uh, the Batman having a presence next yes. year. Right? So maybe and maybe I'll prioritize a trip to Brazil. So if you're already starting off with letting people know you're getting the Batman, and then afterwards, uh, James Gunn confirmed the Suicide Squad as well on Twitter. So. That automatically, and again, this is before San Diego. So, like, this is way before San Diego. So now everybody who's been going online the past couple days to try to register for their San Diego passes are now like, wait. It is going to be really interesting to see because, you know, right around San Diego Comic-Con time, we're always making bets on what the studio is going to bring. I I wonder if it's going to be a thing with making predictions for that, whether or not CCXP is going to, you know, weigh in on whether studios want to pay for both. I think it started last year because I remember that's when we were getting, like, the Dark Phoenix stuff before everybody really, you know, heard about how the movie was. But we started getting Dark Phoenix stuff there because... Because it was highly touted. And then you're like, okay, if they're doing that here, you know, here in Brazil, and then you get the eternal stuff. Now you hear the Batman, Suicide Squad, all of these. So if you got Marvel and you got Disney and Warner Brothers more so doing this, what's to say now Sony doesn't jump in with in the Spider-Man next into the Spider-Verse, mm-hmm. you know, footage and whatnot. You never know. I would have had the perfect transition and said, like, maybe the Flash will be there with its new release date, but I have to tell you <laughs> one other thing. Today's episode is brought to you by Heroes and Villains. They make super cool clothing like this jacket I'm wearing where, you know, if you're super into a fandom, you could celebrate it with really great stuff. And the cool thing they've got going on right now is they're doing uh, promo leading up to the release of Rise of Skywalker and every single day there's a different deal on the site. Today's deal happens to be their Jedi collection so if you're into the light side you might want to go on over there and see what deals are available then you could use our code TALK10 on top of that deal and get even more off some really off uh, really cool stuff over there so do check that out, and we will continue promoting Heroes and Villains, I think, all through to Rise of Skywalker, where you're going to hear about even more cool deals that they've got to offer. All right. You ready for the Flash? Let's talk about it. Let's do it. All right. So the deal is, according to The Wrap, Warner Brothers has set aside July 1st, 2022, for The Flash's debut. So we've spoken a lot about The Flash for a long, long time now, and... uh a lot of folks have signed on to this movie mm-hmm. and dropped off. We have predicted that maybe this thing would never take off at all after all of this, but it got a release date. So what is the first thing that crossed your mind when you saw that headline? Is that the confidence you needed that this thing is really going to happen? Yeah, and that Ezra Miller will stay in the suit. I think that was the biggest thing because we've been hearing so much like, okay, it's keep being stretched out and pushed back and pushed back. Maybe Ezra Miller won't be the Flash going forward. But now you have a date, you have a confirmed director, you, you clearly have Ezra Miller set as the Flash, and it's like you have a screenwriter as well. Because those are all key elements we needed now. <laughs> and so now it's like, all right, let us know production starts. You see what I'm saying? So this is actually a good sign for that, given what it's been through. Because this has been the most pushback film. You know, you had the Cyborg movie taken completely off. You know, off the slate. But this one gets pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And now it's like, hey, July 1st, 2022. This is when it's happening. Andy Muschietti is the director. Christina Hobson's writing the script. Ezra Miller is the Flash. Bam. Do you uh, have as much faith? Um, well, you know me. I am a skeptical person in general, so I, I will believe it when I see a trailer, sort of. Mm-hmm. But this is certainly says something, like, that we're getting this release date now. It, it says to me that, unlike the previous line of filmmakers that have been attached and detached from this project, be it directors or screenwriters, you know, now 
we've got a date with this team in place, sort of like you were saying, we've got the ingredients now. Mm-hmm. We can bake a little flash pie finally. It's it's not surprising because Warner Brothers is obviously very high on the Muschietti's right now coming off of it and the great success of that. Also, Christina Hodson is like all Everywhere. over Warner Birds Brothers right <laughs> now. Yes. Birds of movie about to come out in February. Exactly. Um, so this seems like this team seems to really work for Warner Brothers. So combining that knowledge with this release date, I would say even on my skeptical scale, I am like, yeah, this seems more than ever. I, I have a little bit of faith. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm feeling pretty good about it right now, yeah. but I think I'm with you. I'm, I'm just always afraid to get too far ahead of myself because yeah. even having this date now, even if they move forward full force with the intention of hitting this release date, they still have so many other movies on the DC slate coming out between now and then. You never know how those are going to be received, how, you know, the folks at Warner Brothers might use the audience response to alter that. There's just so many things in play right now that you never know what could happen because, you you know, 2022 is kind of right around the corner, but it's also kind of not. So anything could happen. But I will say I have more faith than I ever have that this movie is going to take off. Well, also, you have to consider how when you say they have all these different movies on the slate. Let's look at Joker, for instance. Joker was one of those. We don't know exactly what it will do at the box office. It may do good, but it cracked a billion dollars. So now that idea of the standalone movie works. For Warner Brothers. Now they can say, we can do these different DC standalone movies. They just have faith. They may not have to be those projects that they necessarily think will be successful, but they have faith because now they know it can crack a box office for them. But with this one, again, we've gone through four different iterations of directors. You've even had uh, Ezra Miller at one point with Grant Morrison trying to write a script and Warner Brothers being like, no. So, <laughs> so clearly when the star is trying to write a script with a comic book writer and they're like, no, let's not do this. Rick, Rick, Rick Femme, you came in at first. He was like, I got a script. I did dope. Nope. But then you have Andy Muschietti who can give you this dark element from it, it chapter two, which Ezra Miller wanted. And then the lightness and even the action that Christina Hobson is writing with Birds of Prey. I do think there's some quotes from Muschietti out there, though, kind of not saying he's going in the horror direction. Well, I don't mean he's going in the horror. No, no, I don't mean he's going horror, but I mean, you'll have some of those dark elements. Again, the Flash scene and his mother die is something that you consider dark. Mm -hmm. You know, especially when we're talking comic book movies. So when you you go down this dark route where do you think that this story is going to wind up landing do you think it's going to tilt more towards what ezra miller was trying to create on his own or maybe are we going to go in a lighter direction i think i think many people myself included wanted the flashpoint paradox angle this is where barry the flash goes back in time saves his mother from getting killed and in that process the world gets screwed up now you can do that because of the dc film universe where you have all these else worlds and nothing directly has to connect anymore granted some of the movies loosely connect shazam aquaman wonder woman the flash bvs birds of prey now being in an alternate reality so you can play that or unless they decide to go a straightforward story with it and just do the reverse flash there's so different many different ways they can go with the Flash's story it'll be interesting when we finally hear a plot so hey warner brothers Eddie Bushietti, you want to tell me something tweet me uh <laughs> Like, let me know. But seriously, there are so many different ways with this character, just like many other comic book characters you can go. But I think everyone wants to see the Flashpoint Paradox one brought to life on screen. Okay. I th- I'm, I'm definitely into that idea. And I think it's probably a smart approach given how their slate is coming together, too. Because it's almost like you have the best of, not both worlds, but like every single mm-hmm. world where, you know, you aren't necessarily tied to success with one movie that bleeds into so many others. I mean, they can really do whatever they want with right. this now. And at this point, yeah. Creative, creative possibilities only serve a movie well. So I'm glad that that could be the route they're going. Very true. It would also make sense, I 
we just published some of our stories from when we did the Birds of Prey set visit. And, you know, Christina Hodson also wrote that. She's on mm-hmm. board to write the Batgirl movie. But more importantly, with Birds of Prey, like something they just kept reinforcing during the set visit was like, Harley is not a reliable narrator. And they kept saying this is in its own little parallel timeline, so to speak. So, like, that also gives that movie to have the same exact freedom you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And that... Flashpoint would give Hodson the same opportunity but to take that kind of an approach. I just thought about it instantly because I've been watching the Harley Quinn series on DC Animated. It's so good. It's amazing, by the way, if you have not seen it. What you just said makes me believe Harley's telling the story from what she sees. And what yeah. Harley sees is not what really is happening. So that's how we can play the alternate timeline. Okay, I just calmed myself down with all that because Harley, because <laughs> I was always, I was nervous when I heard it was in an alternate timeline. And I'm like, wait, what alternate reality? I'm like, wait, this is the same Harley from Suicide Squad and everything else we've connected in a sense. But now I realize, okay, Harley isn't a reliable narrator because she's psycho. She thinks things are one way when they're really not. Of course, if you watch the DC animated series, the DC Universe series, you'll completely understand that. I think she said, what was it, parallel reality or something she something said, like that? She said both parallel timeline and parallel universe, but I don't think, I could be wrong. I don't think she meant like Flashpoint style parallel like universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah she's like, because Harley's way of yeah, thinking. Yeah, exactly. Just curious from your perspective, having been there yourself, because we were talking about your set visit report earlier this week, and I was wondering, because they did stress in, in your write-up that it's being told, by, told from Harley's perspective. She's an unreliable narrator, but also that it was an unsung movie where all the characters are fleshed out did you get any insight on how harley being the one to tell the story could affect how these characters develop no they would never have told us something that detailed i was trying to pair the two because they had stressed so much yeah. that these aren't just her team members these are fully fleshed out characters that you're going to get in this movie so fleshing characters out in a story that's told from an unreliable narrator just sounds like a very interesting challenge yes, it is and this is also curious because when we saw the footage at ccxp there was you could clearly see her being an unreliable narrator but also the film made you in on the joke so to speak so she would say something like mr j was really broken up about it but it would be her who was sobbing and freaking out so like it's her telling her own story but i think the film also kind of winks at you and goes like don't trust this lady because in in, in the harley quinn animated (laughs) series she has this belief that the joker proposed to her she has this crazy belief the Joker proposed. He never proposed in reality. He gave her the pin to a grenade to <laughs> hold so he can escape because he was really running from Batman. She finds out he never loved her. He loved Batman. So in that case, if you compare it to that same way, I'm like, mm-hmm. I got it now. I'm so digging this idea. I mean, really, I've, I'm so pumped for the whole future for D like more more so than I than I've ever been between you know you've got birds of prey I was also uh, I was working on some of my Jumanji interviews and uh, one of the producers of Black Adam was there and he said a couple little things and it's just it, it feels so much more exciting to me when you have all these properties being developed on their own to make one good movie and they all feel so different yes I love the fact that we're getting so much different stuff right now I just like, I'm freaking out. I can't wait. The Rock has even said that Black Adam is an origin movie of sorts. And as of right now, him going for Shazam is not in the immediate future, like mm-hmm. the first movie, but down the line. So they are doing different things, allowing each of these movies to have their own themes and own feels. And maybe they'll come together. Yep. All right. So we're excited for all those DC movies. But Warner Brothers has a whole bunch of other movies coming up slash not coming up as well. So I'm curious. 
specifically with the Matrix. Let's begin with that release date uh, uh, situation here, which it's a good one for that one. It got dated. This one is scheduled to hit theaters on May 21st, 2021. I, I don't think we've talked about The Matrix 4 as a group, so I'm curious. And also, we haven't talked about it in a little while, even if I've spoken to you individually about it. And the cast is really coming together mm-hmm. now. So where do you stand on The Matrix 4? Did you want another Matrix movie? And are you even more hyped now that we're getting all these names in the mix? Am I one of those people that were like, I didn't know I wanted it until I heard the cast was being brought back. That's and then, the right way to say and it. And Wachowski was like, one of the Wachowski sisters was involved. I was like, I didn't want this at first. And I was like, wait, I might want this now. I think we're all in the same yeah. boat. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want it at first. Like, you know, you hear that, you're like, okay, let's see where this goes. Now we got to kind of hear the, the story, like that little quick synopsis they give us of what it is. And then you go from there. It's so exciting. Are you into it, Haley? Yeah, you you said it perfectly, though, because when, you know, it's been, an, or a Matrix project has been yeah. in development for quite a while, mm-hmm. and I was like, mm, uh, maybe hemming, <laughs> hawing, like, could be good. We do live in a really interesting technological time, or leave it alone, maybe it's also smart. Yep. But like you said, when all the pieces started to come together, now I am extremely excited <laughs> and very clearly on board. So I posed this question to the panelists when we were talking about Jonathan Groff being added to the cast, which I think yes. is a great addition, Perfect. but I am curious where you stand on this, especially because 2019 wasn't really the best year for familiar properties coming back, whether it was for a reboot, for a sequel, you name it. So what is going to make The Matrix 4 different? What gives this one box office potential that some others might not have had? Lana Wachowski? Visionary creator. Visionary creator. Yep. Remember what her and her sister did when they made the first Matrix. It was, it was not along that realm of action movies like we had normally seen. So now you have something completely different. And knowing, like you just said, these reboots that have come back, especially this year, have not been received well at all. And so there are others still on the horizon. And some people are like, why are we even doing this? But this one, when you go to one of the original creators, you're like, I trust you to do this. You know, people can say, well, Terminator Dark Fate. Well, James Cameron was a producer. Yeah, but he wasn't the director. That was Tim Miller. That's a whole different thing. So this one is like, hey, she'll see something where it's like, I can't do this anymore. I have to do that. I have to revolutionize what this was and change it to that. Okay. Yes. And my hope is, I I have said many times, I really like Terminator Dark Fate. I think it's a very good film, and I wish it had done better. But it is doing Terminator and T2 again, essentially. It's, It's very much clinging to the formula that we know and love. Um, I I could be wrong, but my sense is that's not the type of filmmaker the Wachowskis are, or, you know, she's going to... Never once have I watched one of their projects and been like, yeah, I saw that coming. Like, you don't mm-hmm. see Cloud Atlas coming. You don't see Sensei coming. <laughs> I have no doubt that whatever she's going to do with mm-hmm. this is going to be off the rails, wild, innovative, and that is what gives something, I think, the potential. You know, obviously... IP and clinging to formula can work. Uh, the Force Awakens was massive, and that yeah. is very mm-hmm. much in touch with the original formula. But I also think that there is something distinct and unique about her approach to storytelling that will make this stand out more than, let's say, what we got this year did. Okay. Um, adding another little wrinkle to the movie's box office potential. Right now, if both of these movies stick with that specific release date, it would pit... The Matrix 4 against John Wick 
chapter four. What's going to happen here? Can they both be released that same weekend and do okay? Or is one of them going to have to move? I think everyone on this table is probably John Wick goes. Yeah. (laughs) That has to happen. Yeah. Because John Wick is a solid one, guaranteed. But the Matrix coming back is something that's massive. Like, everybody's like, okay, John Wick 4. Yeah. But everybody wasn't a real big John Wick fan. Like, it as law at large. But the Matrix at large is going to bring in a swarm of people. And you're like, hey, let's not take that chance. Let's go <laughs> back a couple of weeks or so. We, all, we see it happening so much. Yep. So look forward to go back maybe two weeks. And the thing is, like, the Matrix, not that John Wick has earned this uh, in its own right, but I think that for... Most people, the appeal there is Keanu, right? Mm -hmm. He is John Wick. He's the title character. He's the draw. He's the reason you go. And the fight scenes. But guess who's doing the fighting? Keanu Reeves. Um, The Matrix is a draw in its own right. The name itself. That's why there were other projects being developed without the original team involved. So I, I just don't see how the brand of John Wick can confront the brand of the Matrix when the draw is the same star. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm going to bet on that as well. I think one of them has to move, and I think it has to be John Wick Chapter 4. And the interesting thing about thinking about the John Wick movie, uh, moving in particular, is it, it has jumped around the release calendar. The first one hit theaters October 24th, 2014. Then it moved to February t- 10th, 2017. And then this latest one hit theaters May 17th, 2019. Granted, that was the biggest opening for that franchise. So mm. I understand why they would want to repeat that same release date. But this property does have value, I think, at any time of year. It isn't in a situation where you're reliant on the summer box office. So I think it would be better off for both movies if that one in particular shifted a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. All I, right. just feel, I feel bad for Keanu. You know he had such a headache yesterday. Oh, like, God. Oh, really? God. Both my movies. <laughs> well, Same date. What do I, I do? I mean, for all we know, behind-the-scenes Lionsgate <laughs> is already discussing moving that release date to something else. That's I feel true. like That's they, true. With talent like Keanu, you have to be aware of those kinds of things. And I'm sure someone at the studios is already working on it has already been working on it all right next one actually before we move on from matrix so yaya abdul mateen the second is going to be a lead in the new matrix movie which is so exciting but he's also on another little show called watchmen and if you're really into that if you're really into yaya's work you're going to want to see the newest episode of comic book shopping that arrives next tuesday with with him with yaya abdul mateen the second i'm so excited to watch it myself so i'm gonna i'm gonna do a little self promo here and say that i also Oh, hey, nice jacket. Nice jacket. I also have an uh, interview with Yaya that went up this week. Oh, yeah. Um, so if Watchmen you, stuff? Yeah. Watchmen if you spoilers? are obsessed with Watchmen, as I am, and yes, they are spoilers, okay. and want to discuss his character's journey over the season, which has that's been quite something. It. That's what you call it. I would call it a journey. Uh, especially episode eight. That's what we that. call it. Especially episode eight, huh, it's Haley? Been a- He's been on a journey. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Check out all of that stuff. All right, we got to go down the list here with release dates. Uh, next up, how about we talk about Akira? Akira, this this movie has been around for a while. They've been trying to make a live-action adaptation in Hollywood for so, so long, and it just keeps getting pushed and pushed and pushed. And the situation right now is that the adaptation from Taika Waititi has been taken off the release schedule, and it actually had the John Wick Chapter Four release date. So <laughs> that is now in uh, that now has the uh, the Matrix the Four in the I know, really. So, what do you guys think when you hear that Akira is taken off the calendar? Does it surprise you at all? Not at all, especially with him having Thor: Love and Thunder and everything else. Like, look, he's got so much other stuff. They understand. He's going to come back to it. But it's like, 
let's put put it aside. When he's ready to do it, when Taika's ready to do it, Taika will do it, and you don't give it to any other director. So you do think that's the case, though, that uh-huh. this isn't a situation of maybe them putting it aside and then getting started with a completely different team later on. You think maybe Taika will finish Love and Thunder and then come right back yeah, to Akira? I think they, you, you have to, you, you want Taika Waititi at the helm of a project that people want, and you know, like... That voice he'll put to Akira as a as an anime fan. I want to see this. So I have another question, just uh, you know, just to, to play around with this idea a little bit. So this year, Taika Waititi has Jojo Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Jojo Rabbit is firmly in awards consideration right now. Do you think there is any scenario where, if Jojo Rabbit does very well in the awards circuit, maybe Taika could catch that bug, and after a big Marvel movie like Love and Thunder, he might want to go back to directing something along those lines and then push Akira again? He has another movie he's working on i think it's a soccer movie if i'm not mistaken oh i know what you're talking yeah, about here's another film he's working on as well so i don't know if he's jumping around the board already yeah so it's it's not saying he has to stay in one thing he jumps around the board consistently yeah. you know as for what we do in the shadow so you look around all of those have they're different but similar things with the taika waititi level of humor he wants to inject into him so i don't think he'll just all, all, you know, all together forego Akira. He, he won't do that. Speaking of that movie, though, it's also with Fox Searchlight, who uh, has yes. been working on Jojo Rabbit. The movie is called Next Goal Wins, and it's uh, being described as a sports comedy film that Taika is directing, and it's based on the documentary of the same name. See? Yeah. So uh, where do you stand on Akira? What do you think uh, is going to wind up happening with this one, Haley? I'm I'm less confident than Jay. I could see it going either way. Um, just because, because he is such a busy filmmaker, mm-hmm. And that's one of those things where I could see it either way. I could see that he's always developing multiple projects, so why wouldn't he come back to it? At the same time, he might have developed a too, few too many projects <laughs> and might have, not have time for it. I think I'll, I'll need more clues to solve this case. Excellent. So just to add, I mean, this isn't even necessarily another clue. For, for Akira, I'm, I'm yeah. on the same page. I think it could go one way or another. I think this is another instance where... I don't know. We've been talking about this adaptation for so long that mm-hmm. until I see uh, either, you know, a, a behind the scenes still of the movie in principal photography or just hear <laughs> the announcement that it is going into that, I'm not going to fully believe it. But just another little update on Next Goal Wins. So apparently, according, I'm looking at Wikipedia right now, uh, that movie went into principal photography on November 4th, 2019. So that one is well underway. Dude, and it's got works. And, and if the. Uh, if the Wikipedia cast is uh, is accurate, it's very exciting. I see Michael Fassbender, uh, Elizabeth Moss, Army Hammer most recently added. Uh, so that is a very exciting. And Rachel House, who I love, who's in, I think, all of Taika's movies. Yeah. I don't know. I just get very excited when she pops up. And I'm assuming it's going to be a short film for principal photography, just to, so he can hurry and go to Thor, Love, and mm-hmm. Thunder. Well, that's what, kind of what he's been doing recently. Yeah, he knocks them out. Since he went into yeah. Hollywood. Yeah, it? he's like, I need to knock these out so I can go to the next one. Mm-hmm. Knock it out, go to the next well, one. Well, actually, even not since he went to Hollywood. I just, I guess I meant that since Thor, he's sort of alternated between his small projects and his big ones, but ever since he started making films, it's knock it out, go to the next yep. one. Dude yeah. does not stop he working. He doesn't stop working, he really, so. he really doesn't. And sometimes just for the sake of a production with a lot of uh, very hot talent, attached it's it's easier to just like get going get it done yeah. and that's mm-hmm. it it's just i have in my mind because i've i've spoken to ryan johnson a couple times recently and the turnaround process on knives out is just crazy it's like they got daniel craig and the whole thing came together so so quickly and you know sometimes that's the way it has to go mm-hmm. if you want to get a movie like that off the ground so 
all the power to uh, to Taika while he can make so many movies at the same time. <laughs> That's another thing. Like as this guy who likes to get a project done and go to the next one, maybe Akira was not moving at the speed he needed it to to like fulfill that creative uh, process of his. Yeah, I think it was in July when there was reports that it was being put on hold and there might be creative. But that was because Thor: Love and Thunder was just right. about it was getting announced. Because that was that's what put it back. When Thor Love when Thor Love and Thunder got announced, Akira went back. Right. And it was like, okay, I get it. I get why. Because of course this Marvel movie with the scale he has to work with it, mm-hmm. he wouldn't have time to do both. He would have to specifically focus on Thor Love and Thunder. And so again, you get done with that, then maybe, again, maybe go to Akira. Well, I hope so. I don't know. Yeah. I also I also think we're just in the age where in demand directors have I don't know if it's good for an individual, it depends on how they work, but there's so much overlap. I don't, oh, I don't necessarily true. mean principal photography overlap, but the finishing of one bleeding into the starting up of another. I don't know. He's, he's a madman. Do you guys see the, the pictures that Army Hammer posted of him sleeping on set? That must be why he's so good at sleeping anywhere he is. Because <laughs> he's working constantly. Yeah. No, was, good good you, for him. You know who else yeah. was like that? John Favreau. When he was working on Lion King, he was still doing The Mandalorian at the exact same time. It's a lot. And just, he's got his Netflix cooking and he got show. His Netflix, you know, he's got everything. So it's just overlapping. I don't know how they do it. I need to learn how to power nap. Maybe I'd be better off with that. We have one more. 30 right minutes will change your life. I'm telling you, watch, look at those pictures. You'll learn some tips. I, I really would benefit from it at this point. All right. We have one more release date thing to hit. Mortal Kombat. So apparently that one has moved from March 5th, 2021 to January 15th, 2021. We all know what, you know, the general consensus is of January. It's a dumping ground. But I am hesitant to say that this is a negative shift for Mortal Kombat this far out from release. What do you guys make of this? We wanted to give it the best chance possible. Give it the best chance possible. And January is your safest bet. Because I think Black Panther is 2021. And remember, it has a summer date. But like originally, it had a summer date and pushed all the way back to February. So potentially the second Black Panther can push back. So you just, the best bet, like you said, it's a dumping ground. Safest bet for a movie like that is January. Yeah, I mean, we do have movies in January that do pop. The thing is, they don't necessarily pop for big budget franchise Mm -hmm. levels. You know, we're not talking about, you know, being okay with a $30 million opening for something you want to be a massive hit and spawn a franchise. You need bigger numbers than that. I don't know if that's possible in January, but I don't necessarily read this as, oh, no, lose faith in Mortal Kombat. I think this was a strategic move. Oh, yeah. I, I also think it's interesting to consider, like, okay, so that's, it's a, oh my gosh, it's so much later in the year than I was like, that's two years away. No, it's no, not. It's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> December 12th right now. But, like, Deadpool just came out in 2016, and that movie fundamentally started to change the way we look at the release calendar. I kind of undermined my own point by thinking it was two years and not one year. But my point was that the calendar is constantly changing. The way studios are viewing the release mm-hmm. calendar mm-hmm. over the last few years has changed probably more significantly than it had in the last few decades. Yep, You could say the same thing about uh, what Muschietti did with It. The yep. beginning of September was a dead zone. And then that changed the game. And then The Nun kept it up. And now so did It Chapter 2. And now that's a hot spot. I think it doesn't uh, Conjuring 3 have that date. I think it does, or right around that time, at least. It seems like there's not the traditional dead spot anymore. Mm -hmm. Because at any point, any movie (laughs) can pop. Well, besides January as a whole, but we'll see if like Mortal Kombat changes that again. February is shown it it doesn't happen. March has changed. Because remember, Captain Marvel came out in March. So you look at all these different movies from big studios, depending on the month, 
to jump off your point, I, no, I do agree with that. But I, th- I think there are dead spots, but I think the dead spots are closing. It's like it used to be, oh, all of January. Yeah. But now it's more like, you know, like I have faith in The Grudge being the first movie of 2020. I think that's a good spot for horror movies. But the second weekend in January might be a different story. Just like the first weekend of December is known to be a bad time to release a movie. I mean, Playmobil is is a bad release for a number of reasons, but releasing it at that time probably didn't help either. And it's like, you could say the same thing about, I don't know, the last weekend of August. So I think those are narrowing to specific weekends rather than, you know, big chunks of the calendar. It's very interesting. All right. We do have to move on right now though. And uh, before we get to the, in the Heights trailer, which I'm so excited to talk about, we got to tell you about a whole bunch of things coming your way on the Collider network, like a little show called witching hour. Here's promo. The Witching Hour is all over Collider right now. You can listen to that horror-filled podcast with myself, with Haley Fouch. We talk about witchiness. We talk about slashers. We talk about space horror. You name it. All on that show on the Collider Factory feed. And on top of that, you can find an article all about Witching Hour every single Tuesday on Collider.com. Check it out. Get scared. Hopefully you survive the Witching Hour. What's that weirdo talking about? Witching Hour doesn't air on Tuesdays. It airs every Thursday. So you can check out new episodes every Thursday. We air on the podcast network, of course. And also you could watch it in video form on the uh, the Collider uh, channels as well. So we exist everywhere. And Haley always builds a wonderful post on Collider.com where you could find it in every single form. So you can pick and choose week to week. Also, we have a brand new deep fake theater video up and running right now. Go on and check that out. And oh, later today, we've got a brand new episode of Jedi Council. You're not going to want to miss Rise of Skywalker is right around the corner. Things are getting very exciting right now. And a reminder, talk 10 for 10% off at checkout on heroesvillains.com. Enjoy shopping this holiday season. All right, let's get into this trailer. We have an In the Heights trailer, the very first one. I don't know, just scrolling through the social medias this morning. It feels like all the good vibes are starting for this movie. I am predicting it could be one of the biggest hits of next year. Based on this trailer, how are you feeling about its possibilities now? Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. You know I love theater and musicals <laughs> and Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, I, they also showed footage from this at CCXP and just that like that room was vibrant and alive with it. And what it, did they show? Uh, like, uh, not this. They showed sort of a combo of the behind-the-scenes clips they released yesterday with some of this trailer footage. Um, I just, I, I'm in this movie's pocket so far, I'm maybe the wrong person to ask because I'm like, I, I was never not going to be excited <laughs> for this movie. My number one... Uh, you know, Spotify sent out those lists of your top of the decade, yeah. and mine was Hamilton, like, across the board. I'm obsessed with Lin-Manuel and Miranda. I love the way this looks, though. I really like uh, John Chu's movies. I think that Step Up to the Streets is a freaking delight. So good. It is a delight, and it shows that how he's going to be able to... You're missing to- out, man. You know what? You're, you're wrong. 
And I don't like to say that about opinions. But you're, you're wrong. wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. Um, and I think that movie really shows how how fun and kinetic his type mm-hmm. of filmmaking can be, especially when it comes. You know, he loves music as much as he loves uh, cinema. And, and what you just described is exactly what I felt in the trailer. Yeah. It's just like the second this thing started, it's just you know the the colors and the scale and the infectious vibe of that music. So I do this terrible thing with myself whenever a, a show is very very popular on Broadway, and I did it with Hamlet. Hamilton as well, where like I get all like butthurt and mad when I can't afford to get a ticket or I can't even get a ticket period to see a show. Mm. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to listen to the music until I until I get to see the show. So I've pulled that crap with both Hamilton and In the Heights now. But I feel like seeing this trailer, it might shift that because I need a I need a little more music to go with my Rocketman playlist right now, and this might get in there. But I I really want to see I want to see the stage production so so badly. But this this trailer really did it for me. And I was just so impressed by some of the dance sequences and like especially like how many individuals are involved in that. It's just it really blows my mind to stop and think about what needs to go into choreography in order to achieve something like that. I was in love with this trailer because it showcases. Puerto Rican and Dominican Republic culture in Washington Heights at its finest. I have so many friends who are from that area and you get all those feels. Like I have, when I see certain things with Chicago, how we have the different cultures and the different neighborhoods and whatnot, I felt that watching this, the culture, how everyone is together, the singing, the dancing, that is Washington Heights for real. That is the main star of this trailer. Like, yes, you have uh, Anthony Ramos, I believe his name is. You have uh, Jimmy Smith, Corey Hawkins and the rest. But the main star of that trailer is Washington Heights itself. That thing is beautiful. I am definitely going to see that several times. Yes. And I'm going by myself so I can have all my popcorn and gluten free version. But (laughs) I got so specific. (laughs) But no, I loved it. It was seriously it was a it was a beautiful trailer. It was just it's very captivating. It is very captivating and it opens up the door to Latin culture for a lot of people who don't understand it in those neighborhoods. You know what I'm saying? They, they see one thing, but when you have this urban Latin culture that is still preserved and everybody is there, it is so beautiful. And have visiting, having visited Washington Heights many times, it is just amazing. I'm just realizing we had a whole movie talk of Warner Brothers. No. Like literally everything we talked about was Warner Brothers, but shills, shills. You know what? How dare us? You know this paycheck we getting from Warner I Brothers. I hate that S word. Um, <laughs> but just picturing this trail, this is this is like my new thing now for whatever reason because I've seen a couple of trailers that I think I could describe the same way. Imagining what this trailer might feel like on the big screen in a packed house, especially with like Cats and Rise of Skywalker right around the corner. It's just like I feel like this is the kind of thing where right when it starts, all of a sudden, if you're having a side conversation with someone, you like immediately shift your focus to the screen. And when that trailer wraps up, you leave it feeling really good. And Mm. I don't know, that's going to work in this movie's favor. And I think whatever plays after it is going to wind up catching some of those vibes as well. So very excited about In the Heights. I'm here for it. Can't right. wait. Yeah, I, yeah. I just, you know, hope I live long enough to see the Hamilton movie. Well, what what was the deal with that? Ha- I think they're they it's were recording a, a stage production and they're going to release that theatrically. Wasn't that the last thing about Hamilton? They recorded it. I don't know when the heck they're going to release it. The thing is, it's still making a ton of money on Broadway, so they won't put anything on screens that would take the money away from Broadway. While I understand that, given yeah. what I just said before, I was so excited about that <laughs> because that's the that's the way. Especially now that I live on the other coast, like I want to be able to see. I mean, not that they don't put on stage productions in LA too, but you know they what do. I mean. It's just the accessibility that a theatrical release would afford people it's 
that that just had such exciting possibilities for yeah, them. Yeah, I hope that you know it's it's in the can. I hope they release it one day. It's out there for 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 scholars and and nerds eventually. This is so random, but uh, one of my favorite things about the Oculus Quest when I wrote that review on Collider.com and I was first testing out all the things that it had. I mean, like I really dug deep and I watched every random video I could find on that thing, and one of them was having the Oculus set on your head, being positioned right at the edge of the stage of a Broadway production, and it was Beetlejuice. And I thought that that was one of the most exciting things to watch in VR form. It was almost like they were all there performing just for you. But it's like you were able to look up and see like the ceiling of the theater. So it still had that theater vibe, mm. but it felt like you were right in the middle of it. So, so it's, I, a, it's a recording of the performance? It was just like a little snippet. It was a, a clip of no, one. No, no, I mean, like, is it live? I mean, human beings or animated? Hu- human beings. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, human beings. But I just feel like, you know, if someone's not able to go see a live show themselves, yeah. showing it in VR form, it almost, obviously, it doesn't recreate the communal vibe or the crowd that, that that's there with you in a live performance, but something about it really makes it feel like it's really happening in real time before your eyes. And for you, too, which I think is a very special feeling. That's cool. I mean, it, like, there is something very special about that live crowd and the live performance aspect. But as I just expressed my massive thirst to see the video recording, <laughs> yes, I would like to experience it that way. <laughs> All right. Let's get into some live chat questions before we have to say goodbye. I didn't scan any of these, but this one is catching my eye because I see Eddie the Eagle is in it. Oh, it's Jay Scott for real asking John Wick 4 and Matrix 4 would be a good double feature. That's actually not a bad idea. Uh, Cool Runnings and Eddie the Eagle is one of my favorites. What are your go-to double features? I feel like I just had this discussion about a really cool idea. Now I forget what it was. Trading places and coming to America. Oh, okay. I like that. Because I'm, I'm, I'm such a big Eddie Murphy 80s fan. But the two of them play into each other, especially in coming to America when he gives Randolph and Mortimer the money at the end when they're homeless. So like, yeah, that's a good double feature for me. It is. I feel like I had knives out on the brain recently. Oh, like maybe this is just because like, you don't want to watch knives out and murder on the Orient express. Cause you don't want to watch two whodunits <laughs> back to back. But like, I feel like pair knives out with any other Ryan Johnson movie. And you, you're, you're pretty good with a Ryan Johnson double feature. Yeah. Or, wait, wait, no, this is what I was thinking of because, uh, so we had the FYC screening of rocket man and obviously I couldn't help but to tell Dexter Fletcher. I'm like, that's, one of my favorite movies of 2015. I really do think that if you want to go into 2020 with high spirits and feeling good and inspired, go watch both Rocket Man and um, Eddie the Eagle back to back. It's just, you know, about people, you know, finding themselves, you know, reconnecting with the support of people around them. Uh, Eddie the Eagle is about him defying the odds when nobody believed in him. I just, I really think there's a lot of little things that, you know, could benefit you kicking off the new year. Yeah, those movies really do have such parry energy. They do. They do. <laughs> I would say that the honest answer to that is just Scream 1 and Scream 2 because I can't watch the first one without finishing it with the second <laughs> one. Um, that's real. I'm trying to think of what do I realistically always watch together. Uh-huh. Those are the two. Yeah. Um, I, I also am a big fan of doing, because like my, the Haley energy huh. movies that uplift me and make yeah. me feel good are Gross Point Blank and um, Big Trouble in Little China. So I, I watch those together Big, a lot. Big Trouble in Little China. Aren't we supposed to be getting another, a reboot of that song? Like, in theory. In theory. Okay. Because I kept hearing about it. Like, I want yeah. this movie. I just want to see another good Jack Burton. 
Yeah. We shall see. On the Pork Chop Express. I do have a great pairing <laughs> with Knives Out for real right here from Chris Robinson, who's saying Knives Out and Ready or Not. Oh, that's good. It's That's a good, that's good an, call. That's an Eat the Rich double feature. Yeah. And yeah, I find that good. I find that fascinating. And also, just if you really appreciate the craft of directing and cinematography and working with incredible production design, it's it's fun to pair those two together just to see the different approaches when you have a different genre set in a similar location. Mm-hmm. I'm all for that. All right, let's go with let's go with Bruce Crawford. Oh, this is interesting. Bruce Crawford wants to know what film do you hope gets made for the 2020s decade? So, you know, if you want big, uh, big, big trouble, trouble in Little China. China. Yeah. So, okay, I would be on board with that, but they have to bring back Kurt Russell. I really don't he, care if The Rock's in it. I care about yeah, Kurt I care, Russell. That's what I'm saying. I don't care about it. I want, <laughs> yeah, I need Kurt Russell as Jack Burton somewhere in this movie. Yeah. You know, I need that. I, that, that he made Big Trouble in Little China for me. So I need that. That's a great answer, but I think I have the answer. Mm. You ready? Mm-hmm. Final Destination 6. <laughs> okay, give it to me. But it's coming, right? It's happening. Isn't it? It's supposed to be. I am, I am very, very, very sensitive about getting real hyped for that. Yeah. Here's the problem. I, I, have. Be- I believe in it, but... I've been thinking about another Final Destination movie too <laughs> regularly, too many seconds of my life since the last one hit theaters. Here's my I'm problem afraid. I have with Final Destination. I need, I need to be able to leave my house because after every Final Destination movie with the opening <laughs> sequence, you're afraid to do something for a yeah. while. You were afraid to get on a plane for a while. You Nobody wants to be on a freeway behind a truck full of logs. Nobody. That's not even for a while. That's, That's still, still to this happen. day. Forever. To yeah. this day, nobody wants to do that. Roller I will co- never get in a tanning booth. It's yeah, not tanning, happening. Roller coasters changed it. Bridges made people go oh. crazy. Some people just don't go to NASCAR racetracks. Like, there's certain <laughs> things you just don't do anymore after those movies. See, I'm the jerk that goes the opposite. I don't really drive behind trucks with logs, but like sometimes in New York, I'll purposely walk under the ladder and be like, ha, remember that when that happened? <laughs> Testing fate. I don't Ooh, know. Right. Did, did the wind like, just happen to blow? My sister and I joke all the time, like, what if, what if you got, you had to like book a flight and it had to be 180? Right. Would you get on it? I would get on it. Yeah, I would right. get on course, it and I would post a million social you, media things but about it. it. Two of you, wait a minute. First of all, is anybody who is watching this and listening right now surprised that Haley Fouch and Perry Nimroff would get on a flight 180? No one is surprised. You two would be the first ones giddy as hell I'm looking being at honest, the flight. I kind of want to get on flight see, 180. Looking at the flight attendants in the now, I, don't, I don't want horrible things to happen. No, no, I'm not saying you want horrible things to happen. I'm not saying it. It's just you want to be on a flight 180 just to say, we're on flight 180. Yeah. Like, you can Preferably see. Preferably to yeah. Paris. Right. Right. Well, but see? see, that's that's a cool thing, though. I feel like that's a cool bucket list thing. I need to go. I just need to go and find whatever airline has a flight 180 and just get on it wherever yeah. it's going. That would just be a very exciting thing. Oh, and who knows what happens when you get there? Mystery destination. Exactly. I mean, what, 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 uh, what destination horror movie could kick in at that point? Oh, gosh. Take your pick. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Which, I don't which want one to. would you prefer? One of them. Thank you. Teresa? No, that's no, a bad one. What is happening? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> All right. We have to say goodbye before Jay explodes. Thank you guys so much for being here this Thank morning. You. Jay, Haley, always a pleasure spending time with you on this desk here. Adam in the booth, Dorian in the live chat. Thank you so much, as always, for all your hard work. Another reminder, heroesvillains.com. Check out all this cool stuff over there and you pr- use promo code TALK10. Like and share this episode of Movie Talk. Don't forget to come back tomorrow at 9 a.m. PT for a new live one. But you know where you're going right now. You're going on over to Collider Live. Have fun over there. We'll see you tomorrow morning. 
Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. T-Mobile has been building America's largest 5G network for this epic 5G moment. Introducing the new iPhone 12 Pro. Now at T-Mobile, the leader in 5G coverage. Download, upload, and game at 5G speed in more places. Unleash the power of iPhone 12 Pro with T-Mobile. Capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain plan or features. See T-Mobile.com.